welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. You're invited to listen in to an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics between your co-hosts, Scott Jones and Bill Bohr. Regardless of topic, Bill and Scott offer intelligent insights and critiques, sometimes funny, occasionally contentious, but always remaining friends. Now, here are Scott and Bill. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 244. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. Bill, it's almost Thanksgiving. Yes, it is. So this is the um, one of the biggest travel days of the year, the biggest night in bar um, revenue. This is like Black Friday for the bars. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I think my second son, Adam, is working tonight. So Yeah, it's a big festive occasion, and tomorrow yep. will be Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And- so I spent the day baking. My mom's here, and uh, we, bo- we baked... Three pies and, I don't know, over a dozen apple dumplings. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. So, yeah, I'm hosting Thanksgiving tomorrow, so the, the tribe will be... So, as you know, at your Thanksgiving dinner, will political, cultural, hot-button issues come up? They will, but it's... We're... You're fairly homogenous. We're homogenous. Your mom, though... Yeah, but she she's doing penance. Because <laughs> right, your dad would have made it more of a live wire. Well, my dad actually, before he died, one of the few times he ever admitted to me he was wrong was Trump came on the TV and goes, you were right. <laughs> That's all he needed to say. That's all he needed to Just say. Just on the TV. Well, for a while he pretended like he forgot that he voted for him. For a while he would pretend like he, he said, this man's crazy, he's ruining our country. I said, well, dad, you voted for him. And I go, oh, you know, he's like... Are you sure? <laughs> My dad's mind was sharp. He just pretended at the end. Of- well, it's the advantage of age. You can slip out on yeah. certain things like that. But so, yeah. So, so you know, my, the, uh, there's not a, um, yeah, there, it'll be, uh, I, and so therefore we probably won't talk a lot about it. We'll talk about it, but, uh, you know, there are, <clears throat> there's five kids running around. There's a lot of stuff going on in the family. So, uh, and uh, this will be the first Thanksgiving without my dad. So that's, that's kind of, that'll be a big, um, that'll be a big thing in the room, uh, even if it's not right. in the room. So I, I think, yeah, so this will be, I'm looking forward to it very much. Um, I went, I drove, you know, this is, I, I have these kind of weird things. I don't know that I do for rituals for Thanksgiving, but I had to go to a farm to get a turkey. I, I know I could have just gone to Whole Foods or whatever, but I went to a farm up in north of Doylestown, Bucks County. It was awesome, like an old butcher. So I have a 24 pound, um, uh, Turkey, fresh turkey that's uh, I'm going to cook, and got some other stuff. Got smoked. that one did not get the pardon. And I didn't get the pardon. Got smoked pheasant. And I, you know, when I was growing up, we always had multiple game on the table, almost like to redo the Thanksgiving. Of course, they were, my family were all hunters, so so I just got, did you con any Native Americans or do do any acts of genocide to replay it or. Um, no. So this is a revised version. It's a revised version. <laughs> this was the this was the well, elementary school. This is what they call the um, the kind of uh, nationalist revisionist well, tradition. I always like I always like the parts that leave out about Squanto and Squanto helped the pilgrims. Well, first of all, he was taken as a slave to England. Then we came back. His whole village had died from disease gotten from from Englishmen. So and what about Pocahontas? <laughs> <laughs> so, it was another kind of tragic, I mean, story, but oh yeah, well, yeah. There, most of, I guess the stories are tragic. Let's just just put that out there. I did, I did refrain when I was talking. I had to give two uh, 
chapel talks with the kids at the two churches I'm working at, or a preschool. So I did refrain from talking about the Native American genocide when I was trying to talk about Thanksgiving with them. But I did say that it costs people. We should always remember that. Yeah, you should say, hey, look, you have to be grateful for sacrifices, even unwilling ones. Like yeah, the whole well, right. entire people group, you know, sacrificed for, for right. so that you could be here. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's also what struck me. And again, I know this. I've taught this in, you know, American history, church history when I teach it. But uh, I mean, <laughs> the first intentional religious group to settle here was non-denominational. <laughs> they were the separatists, you know. So they weren't even the Puritans. They weren't even Church of England. These are the people who couldn't even get along with the Church of England. So it's kind of funny to me that uh, we have, we were sectarian from the beginning, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Just looking for a comment window. But uh, so at any rate, so yeah, Thanksgiving, going to do the, and I like love stuffing. We have a comment here from Facebook. We're streaming, live streaming. God bless you both. Josh Foster says from Wisconsin, I believe. Thankful for the videos and podcasts, though not apparently thankful enough to tune in frequently. <laughs> so, so there's that, that's what's called ironic gratitude. But I, it's very, you it's know, Josh, very, very hip. And, uh, and we appreciate anything we get. Have a happy Thanksgiving, Josh. So I was watching The Five yesterday, which I often do, and Greg Guffeld was saying what to do about politics, talking politics, and instead of avoiding it, lean into it. He said, so for instance, you could say, oh, these roles are nice and hot just like the economy under trump <laughs> and things of that nature so that was very but i you know it is interesting because people are more divided politically than they are among race today, yeah which, no, that's, that's which something, yeah. might say something positive about race relations or ter- something terrible about us as a culture yeah or both yeah i don't know it's an interesting um uh, and i guess when would be a different when would you? I, I don't know because race and politics are so tied. I, I I think they're still tied together very closely. But in 1968, was that more race than? I mean, that was war. The war that was race. There was some, the people. I mean, also a around, lot in that around marrying. In the the anxiety around marrying interracially is lo- significantly lower in in surveys than anxiety about marrying someone. If you're a Republican, your child marrying a Democrat or vice versa. Yeah, it's, that's kind of interesting. I, we probably, I mean, we have, you know, Feasterville is a, is a smaller congregation, but we, we've had four interracial couples become part of our fellowship since I've been there. And it's like a no. But I, if we talked about the election, it would be more controversial. And so I think it was, it didn't even, even. Guess who's coming to dinner? It's not an African American. <laughs> it's a guy with a MAGA shirt or vice versa or, or something like I'm with yeah, her, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, our, is it is it that is it that we naturally gravitate towards some kind of tribalism? So, because maybe there has been some progress on the race issue, though. If you're a black, uh, you know, if you're an African American man driving, I, I'm not sure you you think that we've made a lot of progress. Um, you know, just the, the still the um, you know the, the inconsistencies and the dangers around this justice system and such. But in some, I think, in, at least in popular culture, at least certainly on school level, okay, the fact is what what happens with kids. I don't think our kids think the same way racially that we thought or certainly the way that our parents or, you know, you know their, their grandparents thought. So I think there has been progress. Right yeah, now. and I also think that parties are more ideological that and that activists are more extreme. So people that are politically animated are tend to be more partisan 
there's less gray. That's right, because there aren't conservative Democrats and there aren't liberal Republicans. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, 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 yeah. So that sort of thing is, 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 is. By the way, I listened to a fascinating podcast today by the guys that do Y Theory on neoliberalism and like what is neoliberalism. And they had a big argument in the beginning: of, is it is there even a thing? Is it just liberalism in the sense of liberalism in the 19th century economic sense, where you know, you have this sort of laissez-faire-ish approach to the government that governs best, governs least, and people like Hayek, the f- famous kind of Austrian economist, people like that, early 20th century, I guess, thinker. Um, was he early, early mid? No, because he, he was writing into the second half of the 20th century, I think. I'm not sure, actually. Hayek, let's may, say 20th century. He may century. have been born in the early part of the 20th century. Yeah, Hayek, yeah. So let's say, but like, so, and they're arguing neoliberalism is really just liberalism in the sort of economic sense and that's really all there is really there's not much many other political options in america so everything is kind of economically uh conservative conservative it's economically those liberals are economic conservatives in the sense of you know let's let the market do everything and you really don't have uh much of an option so it was a very interesting discussion and you know and how kind of political liberalism and economic liberalism relate and that sort of thing so it's very i would encourage people to check it out why theory neoliberalism those guys do such a great job it's just fantastic well, so yeah it seems like it just for instance even the fact that socialism is treated like it's a it's a curse word or something like that i mean uh or that it's a that's like it's almost a taboo that there's not this kind we of- have socialism the nfl <laughs> but uh, you socialize the costs and then privatize the profits. So that's an interesting thing, right? People that right. your average NFL fans can say, "I don't want socialism." What happens? We our cities in, to incentivize, right? A, 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 get a team. We say we'll pay for the stadium. We'll give all these subsidies and stuff like that. And then you know, well, what about the gains? The gains are you know, it's yeah. So what you know? Or what about the you know, like I mean, the debate around Amazon. You know, coming to Long Island and and down to DC, and what had to be what they had to give up to. I mean, what the local governments gave up for them to get there. Now, the idea well, those increasing jobs, all the tax incentives that were given were pretty, pretty, pretty amazing to a what? How many billion dollar corporation is Amazon now? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so there's a sense where, you know, that's that's the kind of calculus you have to do a little bit. Does these kind of incentives or the same thing with? I mean, it's, you could say, well, you know, you got more direct jobs happening with Amazon incentivizing Amazon to come to Long Island or in the D.C. suburbs. But um, there's still losers in that. It's not just everyone's. It's not just a win-win when that happens. Yeah. And and, and you think of wage stagnation and all these things that, that you uh, – and a part of the thing that the guys in Worth you were talking about was how – the understanding of political, the polis, what it has to do with, you know, running the polis, the, right. you know, the, the commonwealth, you know, whatever, you know, the state that we live in together, like that we issues. So when we say, let, let's not politicize gun violence. Well, what more political issues? If, if, <laughs> if, if, if the state's job primarily is to ensure the safety of the citizens, right? Right. right. So then uh, unless we're defining political, it's just rhetoric or something. But, you know, so that now, again, we could talk about what political action should be taken and when there might be a myriad of views, but to say that like we shouldn't politicize it. Well, it, what greater thing is there than, okay, if we bind together in a state to get out of the sort of state of nature, this right. is a fundamental thing, right? This is why we delegate authority and things like this. So this is a prime political kind right. of issue. Partic- particularly when the fact is it's not merely a human nature problem. Some people would argue because, um, 
the citizens of the other developing countries have the same kind of human nature issues that we have. No, I'm, I'm not saying it's human, but I'm just saying no, no, I'm, I'm the state of, I'm saying the state of nature. No, I'm, like, agree- yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm agreeing with you. In other words, it is a political issue. Yeah. Because people say, well, it's just about, you know, it's not, it's not political. It's about, you know, human beings and people behaving badly or whatever like that. But that's, that's again, that's why we have laws. Right, right. That's the nature of the state yeah, or exactly. even healthcare, right? Is our city is, is the life of the citizen. Political, the sense of uh, our threats to human life and things. So, I mean, again, we could debate like what political arrangements would be most salutary or whatever. But like the idea that like they were saying, you know, the the neoliberal move is to sort of move all like the Affordable Care Act is a classic example. Healthcare, the answer is more free market, more insurance, more choice. You know, so yeah. so so that like you know, Paul Ryan said, well, the problem with Medicare for all would be no choices, as if. A bunch of poor choices yeah. would be better, which is where we're at right than, now. Than 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 something that would be adequate or maybe more than adequate, but that would be the so these are it's just a fascinating discussion. It really is, yeah. You know, one of the things too is interesting. Of course, uh, we like all states have a problem with the privatization of the prison system, and you know, and one of the things that a court ruling just happened where uh, the state of Pennsylvania was not treating its inmates with who had hepatitis C. So they weren't, I mean, it's, the treatment's expensive. And so if you had hepatitis C, you weren't getting treatment in prison for it. But the trouble is when these people with hepatitis C go out into the population. Right, 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 yeah. So there's a sense where, I mean, again, this idea of, the, la- the problem with laissez-faire is that, you know, it, it, it does create, um, it, it fails to take it into the idea of the interconnectedness of everything. Well, yeah, I know. like let's say you're a pri- private prison, right? You're And you're... You know, your obligation as a CEO, whatever it is to your shareholders. Well, you know, do you even have an obligation if, if maximizing profit is your goal? Then, then you see the calculus for not giving people treatment. This is why not everything can be in the mar in private, <laughs> private well, well, sector. They, they, they had developed a system at a, at a privatized prison near, and I knew this because just I knew some people who were working, you know, to try to reform the prison system that uh, they purposely would delay you seeing a lawyer so they extend your stay. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there would be things like that. And because each day you're in there, you get to charge, you know, the county. Uh, this was a county prison, but you get to charge, you know, whoever's paying for it. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, um, it's, uh, this, and the fact that people, you know, going, circling back around, that we don't have, we don't have political options in this country, because you can't even, it's, there's not even really a, a forum to, to debate. There aren't, there aren't alternative options in, in many ways to even question, um, you know, how, how problematic some of this is. Yeah. And that's where, you know, the, well, it's, it's interesting. So, yeah, I think that, when we look at, I mean, we're a sort of, if you look at us in global, in, in sort of, let's say industrialized West, global-ish context, you have, you can vote right or center right in this country. Yeah, that's it. So if you vote Republican, you're voting right. If you vote Democrat, you're usually voting center right. Yeah, it, it remains to be seen if that moves a little bit. Um, you know, I think, you know, there tends to be, we tend to react in this country one way or the other. You know, like you said, you you... Look at the alternative personalities of our presidents over the years, and, and uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think there there is well, there are both. It's interesting in this new Congress, there are both more liberal Democrats coming in, and there are more moderate. You know, there are people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I mean, the one thing that the one political animal that seems to be pretty much extinct it would be the moderate Republican. I don't know. 
a lot of those moderate Republicans, there weren't very many of them, and a lot of them lost in uh, in in this last election. So, yeah, we a should, few we the should. endangered species. Yeah, very you should endangered. put a few of them on a, a preserve, like just so that we know what they look like. <laughs> yeah, we could put them like I always thought like with, with like you know the Mennonites have you know people go to Lancaster to see what Mennonites were like. I always thought like eventually we could have a little thing in Philadelphia where. Presbyterians would, for instance, would wear khakis and blue blazers, and people could come in and in the Union League. Yeah, you could go to the Union League. There's a floor in the Union League. You could, like, you could kids could have an interactive committee meeting, things like that. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So I always thought, okay, so if people are going to to kind of contentious contexts for Thanksgiving, like a few things you could do. A, you could self medicate. Yeah, which just pass out. Which, which if you have a designated driver, that's always an option. Just yeah. make sure. Yeah. Now everyone can't self medicate, but it, but everyone but one. If you have a large family, it could maybe rent a bus. <laughs> or maybe that's Uber. Make sure you get the Uber XXX or whatever, and everybody could just zone out. Number two, you can make sure that you hold the baby, like whatever. If there's there a baby, you, go. you could do the baby and take the baby out of the room and uh, hang out with the baby. There's AirPods. Uh, <laughs> you have AirPods or his, when that which. Which number one and number three aren't mutually exclusive, nor two or three. You could put your earbuds in and hold the baby, or you could self-medicate and put the earbuds in. You don't want to do all three, though. Hold the baby and right. hold it. Or related to number two, you could find you could spend extra time at the kids' table. So yes. that you're going to be there, and that's kind of a cool and fun place. The kids' table's fun. It is a fun place to be. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it because of the conversations you find here? If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month? Or more, it's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcast projects I've got in the works. So I invite you to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Ellis Brazil, David Zoll, Sari Graham, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Blythe, David Norling, Charlotte Donlin, Barry Stewart, Larry Rule, Stephen Lipless, John Schneider, Ben Crosby, Liam O'Brien, Jim Crest, Stephen Rowe, Ben DeHart, Jordan Morseberger, Josh Redder, Jennifer Underwood, Kai Whitpenig, Simone Garabedian, Jim Kirk, Samantha Konauer, and Jordan DeMaze. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the show. Uh, number four. I would say if you want something intellectual to do, uh, read Roger Hates The Righteous Mind. You, if you want a summary, find like one of his interviews with Krista Tippett on being. I'll try to find it and link it in the show notes. But he's a guy that has re- done the work on moral. We talked about him a couple, yeah, a yeah. couple dozens, hundred. I don't know. Like it's been a long time. An episode, like double digit episode. Like uh, 
But his, I was reading some stuff today in his book on the righteous mind, talking about moral psychology, and he basically says that you know, in addition to like, if you think of taste buds, the salt and the and the and the sweet tastes, that there are other taste buds, and likewise, morally, there's there's we often think of morality in terms of compassion and fairness, but he thinks there's also, if you look evolutionarily, there's there's authority, respect for authority group loyalty and what he calls sanctity like you know what's sacred you know taboos what's you know things that are disgusting things that you ought, ought not be done or ought not be you know mixed you know, leviticus think you think of like this and he looks at the fun use the, the evolutionary function of all these things and and he thinks that one of the reasons he he was he was get, invited to give a talk to a group of democrats in charlottesville on why Kerry lost uh after the after the loss mm-hmm. to george w bush and he said you know because Kerry only spoke, only applied to two moral taste buds, like compassion and fairness, which conservatives also, it, liberals and conservatives agree on compassion and fairness. They play different roles and, and their definitions of what fairness is, is often right. different. Like fairness for liberals often means equal outcomes for conservatives. It's often, it's often more like you reap what you sell. Everybody should get their due, like right. equality of opportunity, not outcome. Right. But conservatives also understand the need for things like authority and uh, and gr- tribal loyalty right. and sanctity, you know, these, these right. the sacred. And so he, he talked about, in his book, he talks about that book, What's Wrong with Kansas? The idea is, well, why do Kansans, you know, vote? Why do people in rural areas vote against their economic interests? He's like, well, now they're voting their moral interests. And so it's not just people vote very emotionally. And, and p- Republicans often know how to talk to that had to offer a dish that that appeals to all five taste buds, and and liberals have a hard time doing that. And so, liberals, if 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 your morality consists mostly of just compassion and fairness, Democrats are great for you, right? If what you care about is her, is protecting the vulnerable and and making sure that society's outcomes are not as stratified, Democrats are great. But that's a pretty limited window on the human condition and how we've evolved. And so, you know, a lot of people, a lot of conservatives think of morality on a broader foundation. And so that's why it's it, why when you when you think about voting in purely rational interests or economic, that, that people vote in a more emotional, moral framework. And that that, I think, it helps explain some of these differences. And, you know, it, it I don't know that that will make anything less contentious, but at least you'll feel smarter when you're frustrated. <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, yeah, that'll be. Uh, and uh, can you summarize? No, I'm just kidding. No, it's very interesting too. He, you know, when you give when you give conservatives that these moral inventories that he and his graduate students developed, if you say to conservatives, take the test as a liberal, conservatives can do it. When they say to liberals, take the test as a conservative, they can't. Yeah. Because they don't think of things like respect for authorities even moral, right? And this is why. Someone like Donald Trump, the authoritarian, you're like, well, why, why is anybody like an authoritarian? Because if, if, if you think that society can't hold together without some authority, right? Right. And, and it can't, right? right. I mean, this, no, I mean, it can't. No. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, what, what's the first thing you do? I don't care how liberal you are when you're in Target and some kid is like, being a wacko in the line and disrupting right. and making it, what do you think? I wish that person would take control of their child. Well, you're saying I'd like more social authority. So, so that if people think that we're on the, on, we're drifting towards not enough authority, not enough social cohesion, right? Like too much, right. Um, pluribus, not enough unum, right? right. Like that, that, 
that this idea that hey I want us to be more like one America and that takes some 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 you know group loyalty and some authority people vote for reasons like that right yeah we want that to be one white America <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, all right well let me uh, and I again that's a great work to read uh, if you may not have time the next 24 hours to do it but you can go back and find our podcast we talked yeah. a lot about that I would say uh, two ways to fight like a Christian one would be the kind nice. <laughs> the kindness affirmation of salt. In other words, um, if there's someone particularly that you struggle with politically, then think a little bit about what it would be like for them no longer to be in your life. Now that may be a pleasant thing. So, <laughs> so oh my therefore, gosh. don't don't use that. But I'm What's also, that, Uncle Jesse? You got a transfer <laughs> from the post office? What will we do? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking about more in terms of where you what you can be thankful about for that person. And so lead lead with where you can affirm. Lead, you know, with the, with the kindness, uh, I think that can be very disarming, particularly if people have come armed or ready, or also if they've had a few drinks, depending on if they are the nice drunk or the combative drunk. So I think, first of all, you never reason with a crazy person. That's a that's a r- rule to live by, and the corollary: never reason, don't try to reason with a drunk person. But I think try to be affirming. And then the the next one related to that would be, you know, kind of. Gird yourself to practice some passive non-resistance, uh, you know, whether your model is Jesus, Gandhi, or— Do not pass the stuff thing. If, they if they're being really, like, if they're really saying more offensive things, I will not pass you the stuff thing. But, you know, turning the other cheek is not being a doormat. It's just in a way of alternative fighting. I, you know, I'm not going to escalate this. I'm not going to return violent speech with violent speech, hate speech with hate speech. I'm not going to—I'm not going to meet somebody on a small-minded level. You know, one of the things I've— taught staff and seminary students over the years was that if someone's trying to pick an argument with you, it does take two people to have an argument. And so you can choose not to participate in I bet you Donald Trump can have an argument just by himself. <laughs> I think he does. I mean, that's, that's what he does. But I think you know what I mean in terms of de-escalate instead of escalate. And uh, again, refer- Couldn't we have got Bin Laden sooner? Yeah, and then referring, and if that doesn't work, go find the baby or the kid's table. Go yeah. back to number two or number three. Yeah, I also think, like, can, can you see the truth? Like, T.S. Eliot says there's no such thing as a false theory. Every theory is true from somewhere, right? Or else somebody wouldn't have thought it up. Now, again, it's it's explanatory power may be limited. Right. You know, so it only, might only be applicable to a, a certain context, but, and the better the theory, the more applicable to more context, but... Where where does it look like? Does that include Ted Cruz's father killing Kennedy? <laughs> Very well. There's that photo. I mean, look. I didn't say I mean, hey. I mean, my favorite thing that he did the private is he's a Seventh Day Adventist. I mean, I'm a Presbyterian. That's right down the middle. But Seventh Day Adventist, I don't know. <laughs> I love that. I don't know. Um, yeah. So you know, if you can figure out, well, why is it? Is it what's location does this make sense like if someone's right. saying something that i think is what is in their experience that like most people are not like awful right i mean they're not they're they're flawed and broken well, but they're not they're not they're not like um they're not sadistic most some are but they're not the most are, but there's something in in their own life experience and their own psychology their own life story that these ideas and if you could say so it's, it's what you're saying this and if the, like i think it's always a good exercise if you can say something to another person if you can state their ideas back to them in a way they would agree with it then you've done something empathetic and and expanded your own sort of 
horizons in the process, which is always, and, and, you know, sometimes that builds a bridge. Sometimes if not, you go to one, two or three, it was, <laughs> but remember not one, two and three. Right, right, right. And there's always, you can volunteer the wash dishes. That's yeah. I, you get wash dishes. Well, I do think, you know, when I, I thought I, for whatever reason, I guess because I, um, it, it turned. It was. It became kind of part of a part of the sermon illustration. I don't know if I used it or I don't know if I used it or not in both um, church services or not. But I, I was thinking a little bit about the nature of the pilgrims. Um, they were called the old comers by the Puritans. They didn't become pilgrim. Was they found a, a, a writing from William Bradford in the eighteen hundreds that he referred to them as pilgrims. You know, quoting that Hebrews passage. And um, one of the things that was interesting: half of them died the first winter. Um, they, they really, they weren't really prepared to come here. Um, and they, they didn't just come here for religious freedom. They came here because they were afraid their kids were losing their identity. They were, they were becoming Dutch. And then the next thing you know, they joined the Reformed Church in America. <laughs> oh, no. Fate worse than death. Oh, yeah. yeah but, uh, Great denomination. I'm happy to be a part of it. Exactly. Yeah. It's outstanding. And, 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 you're, and you're part of it. You're getting, you're part of it now, too. And also, they reared, one Donald J. Trump at Bethany Collegiate. Yeah, that's right. It's hard to believe that. So that is, yeah, the RCA Church is very diverse. At the it reared the very, I mean, the very best and brightest, a very, very stable genius. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a stable genius. I'm getting a T-shirt. Stable genius. That's good. That's a good one. Yeah. But no, I, I do think there's a sense where uh, our country is a mixed bag. It has been from the beginning. Um, and that's a little bit what we said. We, there's a reason we believe that you need to be saved by grace alone. Uh, there's a reason why we have a high view of what God wishes for humanity and a low view of what we can achieve about it. But, um, I think Thanksgiving, being grateful, I, you know, maybe that's the ultimate weapon against any kind of unpleasantness is to, to really be Grateful. I mean, in some levels, if if the table, if everyone around the table has an opportunity to reflect on what they're grateful, it's hard yeah. to be grateful and uh, full of of hate at the same time. And uh, I actually think the reason so many Christians, well, the vast majority of Christians, are only semi converted, uh, the chief sign of that is lack of gratitude. I think if you know in your own life, and I, I look at this myself, when I find areas where I'm not grateful, when I see feel resentment raising, I realize that's an, that's an aspect of my life that I haven't really. Folk, I'm not, I've lost sense of what the grace of Christ is doing there in my life and the gift, the, the gift of life and the gift of love itself. And, uh, you know, um, you could say the whole Christian life is grace and gratitude. I think it is. And, you know, I think too, I mean, we're my family, uh, we, we had some significant losses this year. We could have had worse losses. So, I mean, we had some close calls. So we're, we're grateful for. That um, you know, we are sad for the people who are no longer going to be at our table, but we are thankful. I'm thankful for all who will be. I'm thankful for those of you who listen to us. Yeah, we're much. We're thankful for you. It's and been Scott, a great I'm couple more, years, and I'm very thankful for you as well, Scott. Ditto. The feelings mutual. So, thank yeah. you, everybody. We're grateful for uh, this community we have. Yeah, good. good have uh, great... We've got blessings tomorrow. Blessings. <laughs> hey, listeners! Thanks for joining us for today's episode of New Persuasive Words. Hope you enjoyed Scott and Bill's conversation and will join us back here next time. Until then, thanks for listening and God bless.